Well, it's good to be together right at the start of this new term and uh, just reflecting in that worship there, what a, a precious thing it is really to be, to be church family together, that we really do rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn and uh, that's a, a precious thing. And I prepared this message before the weekend, before we heard this particularly sad piece of news and I just trust and pray that there's something in here that is a reminder actually of that preciousness in amongst the sad news, as well as looking to God for the future together as a church. I also can't believe it's September. Is anybody else with me on that? And is anybody else having a kind of stiff-bodied tantrum about the fact that the weather's going to be nicer this week than it has been the entire summer holidays? I want to say that I'm fine about it, and I'm not fine about it at all. (laughs) Someone did say to me that they... um, They actually prefer autumn clothes and they'll be glad to put their shorts and t-shirts away and get the cosy jumpers out. Is anybody, any other crazy person with them on that? Anybody looking forward to autumn clothes? No, quite a few. Comfy socks and sweaters. Yes, I'm not quite there yet. September can often feel more like the start of the new year than the new year does in many ways. Um, Those who've had holidays have come back. I think lots of us uh, kind of fix our schedules around terms in many ways and education. And even if we don't, there's a sense of life sort of ramping up after a quieter summer into the autumn term. This autumn certainly feels like the start of a new season in church life, and I'm really looking forward to all that God might be wanting to do among us together as his family here. And we're starting a new teaching series, working our way through the book of Philippians, as we've heard. And there are all sorts of themes that weave their way through Paul's letter to the Christians in Philippi. But as we approach a new term, with a sense that God is wanting to do some new things among us, we've called this series One Thing, rooting ourselves in the reminder of what truly counts as we seek to serve him. There's a key verse later in the book which seems to tie Paul's heart and his teaching all together. If you do have a Bible, it would help, I think, to follow it either on your phone or device or in a Bible in your row, uh, Philippians 1. But this is Philippians chapter 3, which we had this opener uh, together at the beginning. Philippians 3, but one thing I do. This is what Paul says, one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heaven, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says there's one focus, one aim, one thing, and that is to press on in the commitment to follow Jesus today and all the days into eternity. And all of his other themes in the book of Philippians, like Joy, there's a lot in the book about joy, like humility, like um, uh, humility, like hope in hardship. All of the other themes fit under this one thing theme. Paul founded the church during his second, second missionary journey, which you can read about in Acts chapter 16. And some years later, Paul writes this letter to the Philippians from imprisonment in Rome, whilst under house arrest. And he writes because he wants to thank the Philippians for a gift of money they've sent him, and because he wants to encourage and advise a church that he clearly has a deep sense of love for. This is actually one of his most informal letters. And what comes over loud and clear in this first section that Ruth read for us is 
the love that he has for his church, this church, littered throughout the verses, and also his hopes and his desires for them. There are themes right at the beginning of prayer and affection. If you look at verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. The, the warmth and the love that kind of exudes from Paul to the Philippians is really strong in the outset of this letter. I don't know if you've ever uh, made or used an Amazon wish list, one of the many things that the giant that is Amazon offers. Um, other wish lists are available. You can make a list of all the things that you'd like. You put them on this wish list uh, that you'd like for your birthday, maybe. And then you share it with your family and friends so they can choose you something from it. Now, I feel quite conflicted about this idea because on the one hand, it feels a little bit joyless, doesn't it? It takes the joy out of shopping, you know, choosing a thoughtful gift for someone and giving it to them. But actually, it's really easy, isn't it? And, and you give somebody what they want. So mostly, I think, happy days. It's a little bit like a, a wedding gift list, I suppose, when you've been to a wedding and the couple choose something and the things they want, and then you go and choose something from their, their wish list. There have been several times when I've arrived at a wedding gift list a little bit late, and all the things in my price bracket have gone. <laughs> and like, all that's left is like very expensive cutlery or a bread maker, you know. And what do you do? You, you can't buy someone two teaspoons, can you? As I look at these opening 11 verses in Philippians, there's all this love. There's this love that exudes. And then there's a kind of spiritual wish list from Paul. This second, second section, in the context of that love and warmth, he shares all of his hopes and desires for the Philippian Christians. This is my prayer, he says. This is my prayer. Do you want to know what I'm praying for you, he says? Here's my spiritual wish list for you, Christians, that you might abound in love, verse 9, that you might abound in knowledge and depth of insight, that they might have discernment and wisdom, that they might be people of purity, verse 10, that holiness might characterize the Christians, verse 10, that they might be filled with the fruit of righteousness, verse 11. And so all of that really is just to set the tone at the beginning of this series. Before we dive in and look at details, here's this broad brushstroke. Paul loves this church. He has desires for this church. It's a church that needs reminding and encouraging about the one thing that we're called to, which is to be faithful in our pursuit of following Jesus, straining towards that one thing. And I just think here we are at CBC with all that's going on, good and bad and wonderful and sad and growth and life. How wonderful to be reminded and encouraged of these things as well. And in the midst of these opening verses, in the context of this love and these desires he has, there's a, a theme I just want to think about for a few minutes, which feels like it resonates particularly where we, with where we are as a church. And it's a reminder about the beauty of partnering together in the gospel. I actually love this verse, Philippians 1 verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion 
until the day of Christ Jesus. Partnership in the gospel. I always take some time out each summer, um, a few days of retreat time, particularly time to pray and to think about the church and what God has got to say for what is ahead. And it was a real blessing to be able to do that again for a few days this summer. And I read through Philippians knowing that that we were teaching through it. And as I've said, it it felt like a timely book for us at the moment. And as I walked and uh, prayed along this beach here, I have said before that you can meet God anywhere, but he is definitely closer at the beach. And I walked and prayed along this beach. And I could just identify with so much of what we've read, that sense of gratitude and love for the church family here. And actually, I don't say that lightly because I've got enough colleagues in ministry to know that not, not every church leader can genuinely say they love and appreciate their church. And I do deeply It is one of my greatest joys to serve you here. And I'm just really, really grateful for that. And I thank God for your partnership in the gospel. By God's grace, we're experiencing depth and growth, always navigating challenges because we're people. And we're able to do it because of the partnership that we share. This word partnership is the Greek word koinonia, which is more often translated as uh, fellowship, a sharing in something. And it's got the sense of participating in something greater than we could do or be on our own. And partnership suggests a kind of intimacy, a, a knowing, a working closely together, working towards the same goal. And of course, what's the goal? It's that one thing that overarches this letter, that overarches our series, that we would press on towards the prize that Jesus calls us to, and that we'd call others who don't know him yet to do the same. What a privilege it is to participate in the plans and purposes of God. And at the beginning of this new term, we can hear the reminder that we're called, we are all called to partnership in the gospel, to think outside of ourselves for the sake of sharing the good news with others. Being a community that's relevant and real to people, that makes sense of our faith to people. When we partner together, people look in and see that. They think, this makes sense, this community, I want something of that. When we think of this idea of partnership and getting involved, I think being, when we hear that word and these kind of phrases, part of us kind of leans to thinking it's about giving the kind of very best of us. So maybe our best gifts, you know, the things we're best at, using those to serve, or um, being fulfilled and f- being satisfied in the ways that we serve the church or the community or whatever. And there's truth of that, if, in truth in that, of course, because we want people to, in, uh, to enjoy and to flourish in any area of service that they get involved in. But if we're truly in koinonia together partnering together, then that actually can sometimes look like sacrifice, being out of our comfort zone, mourning with those who mourn, putting ourselves out for the sake of the greater good. When Paul thanks God for the Philippians' partnership in the gospel, there's thanks, but there's also challenge. It's not just, isn't this a nice letter where Paul says nice things to these Christians? There's an assumed expectation that as part of our discipleship, part of being a Christian in community is that we partner together to see God's purposes worked out with commitment and with sacrifice. 
This woman is the Belgian athlete Jolene Bumquo. And she's a shot putter. And she competed as part of the Belgian team at the European Athletics Championships in Poland last month. Now, um, Jolene's teammate had to withdraw from the 100-meter hurdles because of an injury, and they had no other athlete. And so despite her being a shot putter and not a hurdler, uh, she took part in order to gain Belgium some important points that they would have missed out on if they didn't have an athlete to represent them. Here's some footage of what happened. There's a lot of hurdles, isn't there? More than you realise. Give her a cheer, because... And the real thing... <laughs> the actual footage was amazing, because there was this race, and, of course, the person who won gold got a little cheer, and then Jolene Bumquo got this massive cheer at the end. And there was a hilarious commentary that I saw on a BBC News that said something like, um, like really seriously said it was Jolene Bumquo's season's best. <laughs> yeah. I think it was. <laughs> that gives meaning to the phrase, taking one for the team, doesn't it? We are on the same team. As Christians, generally, as part of God's big family, but also in this church community, we're part of this little corner of God's kingdom here in Chichester. We are on the same team. And what might it look like to partner together with commitment and sacrifice, to be out of our comfort zone at times, to see this one thing, vision, of everyone straining to know Jesus come to be? Paul says that we can be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God finishes what he starts. And he's given us vision here at CBC. He's planted shoots of new life that are growing. He's helped us rebuild and rediscover so much post-COVID. He's given us a desire to see more people who are friends of the church become friends of Jesus, to see more baptisms, more faith stories, that each of us might be disciples that make disciples. We've got a vision for our children and our young people to be truly discipled. And part of Tabitha and Andy sharing those groups was, and making some changes was to see that happen. We want to be good news for the lost, the last and the least. Anybody who would consider themselves on the margins in any way. We've got loads of vision. What we don't lack is vision. What we need is partners in the gospel to see that vision fulfilled. And praise God, he says, that when he gives vision, when he, starts some, when he starts something, he finishes it. God doesn't leave his work incomplete. And so I just wonder what it might mean to partner more deeply in this season ahead. If you consider this church to be your home, are you partnering with God's people in some way to see this big one theme come to be? And none of this is out of any sense of duty or pressure. You know, if anybody does something out of obligation, then that never works. There's none of that. Please don't hear that. This is for those people who, like Paul, love the church, feel affection for this church, want to join in with what God is doing here without guilt or expectation. 
being part of this team. I wonder if it might, it might help us to think about this idea of partnership in terms of next steps. You know, rather than, okay, well, that's great. You know, what, what shall I do? How shall I do it? How, how do I partner? That actually maybe it might help us to think, actually, what might it mean to take the next steps as part of this community? Because everybody's here at different stages. So, for example, some of you, you're right at the start of your faith journey. And that's just, that's just great. You know, sometimes people say to me things like, um, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe what you believe. I feel a bit like a, a bit like a hypocrite being here, and I'm kind of that is what this church is for. That is what churches are for to be safe places for people to explore faith. If you're not sure about Jesus, this is a brilliant place for you to be, and we'd love you to explore faith as your next step. Maybe come to the Alpha course that you heard us mention earlier. Your next step might be baptism. You're a Christian, but you haven't taken that step of faith that Jesus asks. We've got a whole bunch of baptisms coming up. Come and talk to us if that's you, if that feels like it's your next step as part of this family. It might be coming along to our joining in course where you find out a bit more and what church membership means, if that's right for you. I've shared quite a bit in previous months about a desire that we have felt as leaders to help people belong and connect in a more meaningful way, for people to find their way to belonging. And joining in has been a part of that. We're running our third course in October, two Wednesdays, the 11th and the 18th. You can sign up to joining in if you want to know more about belonging here, about how to serve and be part of this family. Some people on that course then go on to become church members, which we also talk about on that course, if that's right for you. It might be that the next steps is a commitment that you already have to your front line. We have no distinction in this church between serving in church, on a team, in the community, and where we spend our Monday to Saturday serving God in our front line. Neither of those is more spiritual. They are all where God has called us to be. We're called to serve God wherever he puts us. And, and depending on what you do in your front line, might mean you don't have a huge amount of capacity for anything else. And we want to equip you to be the best disciple of Jesus that you can be as a carer, as a head teacher, as a mum or a dad at home with kids and responsibilities, as a business owner. We're called to serve God wherever he puts us. For some people on the next steps, however, it might be more of a metaphorical hurdles race. You can go home over lunch and say, Ellen said we should be more like Belgian shop putters, perhaps. And that might involve some sacrifice on your part for the sake of the kingdom. It might mean being out of your comfort zone in some way. Now, it's for all of us to pray and to think about what partnering in the gospel might mean. But I want to just mention one practical example to ask for your your prayers, really, and your thoughts as we grapple with this as church leaders. And it's to do with growth and space. You will see how busy we are on Sunday mornings. You know, look at the back. There's people you know, right at the very back doors. And when the kids leave, it's like half the church leaves, isn't it? You know, it's an amazing problem to have um, that we are growing. You know, I'm, I'm not complaining. How, how wonderful that we're so busy. But we are struggling to fit people in. And, of course, we're thinking, what does that mean for us? as a church family. We want more people to come. And so we're praying about what to do. And as we think about the longer term of what that might mean, we're just wondering whether there are some shorter term things that we can do to help. 
We've always felt a call to send people out of the building using our alternative gatherings, our missional communities, to share God's love and be church community in different ways. Um, they all meet once a month. So, for example, Walk and Talk is out this morning, a bunch of people meeting and going on a walk together, stopping for coffee and cake and a short uh, testimony or a little message before carrying on with the walk. There are all of these alternative gatherings. And it might be that you've actually got a heart or an idea for something new that we could start which you could help to grow. If we have a bunch of people out once a month on different Sundays, this will help us in part with our space. Now, of course, the vision of missional communities, alternative gatherings, is this one thing. We want to help people find and press on with Jesus. It's mission-focused. But as we do that, as we get out a bit more, it also creates space for those who want to come and be. So you might have an idea of a people group or a hobby or an area of service that you could build a community around once a month to serve outside. Or maybe you might just want to get involved in one of these ministries. Most of these have got gaps on their teams. Or we'd just love to have more people go along to build a sense of community and crowd to help people who are exploring faith to find it. So if that's you, have a think and a pray. Come and talk to me or to Mark and Naomi Sheldrake who helped me to lead that network and we'd love to talk to you about that. The other practical thing is to ask whether some people might consider opting instead for our Sunday evening service. Now our evening service is wonderful. We currently get about 80 to 100 people, so it's pretty well attended. The message is repeated morning and evening, so people can choose one service and the teaching is the same. So everybody across the, the wider church hears the same teaching. And we are just thinking that actually it's not a long-term solution, but it might really help us in the next months. L let's say 30 or 40 people opted for our evening service, that how much that may help us here. Now, again, there is no expectation or obligation. I'm not, I'm not sending emails to people about this at all. And, and, and you might need the kids' work. The morning might fit for you and your pattern for whatever reason. All of that is absolutely fine. But unless we share the problem with the family, the family can't be part of the solution, can they? So pray with us about our space and our growth. Pray that we continue to grow, that, that people can still come and fit and perhaps that our evening service can grow and that our alternative gatherings network can grow to help us as we also think a bit longer term. Now, I've given you some, some kind of practical um, thoughts. They aren't in any way exhaustive. I'm, I'm suggesting them as ideas, I guess, to stimulate our thinking. The bigger thing is, what is God saying to us about being partners? It might be being courageous to invite people to Alpha you know, who, who Alpha, Alpha works by invitation. If we don't invite, who, who will? It might be about joining a new team to serve, helping in any area of church life. There's, there's always spaces for people. I was looking around at the um, church family, doing what church family does best on Friday at Stella McKeever's Thanksgiving service. And I just thought, A, I just thought, I love this church. Seeing everybody making this event happen in a wonderful, wonderful way, serving in different ways. Some at the front, some at the back, some cooking, some cleaning, some setting up. Some. It was just a beautiful example of the people of God partnering together to make things happen for the glory of God. And I guess I'm saying, what might it mean for you in any of these things or indeed anything else to partner together in the gospel? Koinonia, working together, 
to achieve something we couldn't otherwise, sharing together in that fellowship way, praying and reflecting on what that might mean for us. So let's just remember the broader perspective as we sum up. What was the context? It's Paul's love and affection, the love of God in our lives, which spills out into our love for others, such that partnering together is part of what it looks like to be family, that Paul's wish list for us will come to be as we serve and worship and work together, growing in faith and love, and keeping this one thing in mind, the gospel, to strain towards the prize that Jesus offers and encouraging others to do the same. Let's pray together. The band are going to come back and lead us. Let's pray. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Lord, we need the hope of the gospel. We need it in so many ways. We need it in the sadnesses and the tragic situations. We need it in our families and in our own circumstances. We need it when we look around the world. We need it when we think about our own future today and into eternity. We thank you for the hope of the gospel. And I just want to pray that you would speak to us about what it might mean to partner together Thank you for your love for us and for this church. And I pray that would spill over as it does so often and so beautifully as we seek to serve you here. And of course, we can only do this with you and your spirit at work in us. None of this is in and of ourselves. We are dependent on you working through us. So come, come Holy Spirit, challenge, encourage, comfort, and spur us on, we pray. And if, if this is a prayer that you agree with for this church family, perhaps you'd say with me, Amen.